keep standing. I want to read something to you. reconciliation produced by repentance so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse of complete destruction. Jesus says in words of red in Matthew 15, you draw near to me with your mouth and you honor me with your lips but your heart is far from Close your eyes and repent where you are right now. Repent right now. Repent for the sin that you've allowed to linger in your life. Do not leave here today with sin in your life. Do not leave here today without coming to the Lord, repenting of your sin. Thank you, God, that you 
you've given your son for us. Don't get me seated. Thank you, praise team. We have limited time together, so let's jump into this and make the most what God has for us this morning. Everybody ready? <laughs> Need some more time. I need five minutes. I'm kidding. I'll be back in five. Jeremiah 15, 19 says this. Therefore says the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me, you will stand. And if you extract the precious from the worthless, you become my spokesman. They, for their part, may, may turn to you. But as for you, you must not turn to them. I want to talk to you guys this morning about gears and making some turns in your life. I want to say some unpleasant things to you today. You know, doing the hard work in the Lord is not always pleasant. And we seem to follow a course from generation to generation of People don't want things to come easy. We want a church to rebuild because we prayed in a prayer room for 30 minutes. We want to feel at peace because we tossed in a few new scriptures into our vocabulary during the course of a week. We as Christians don't always want to take the time to listen to the voice of God and obey Him. Instead of questioning his, and his motives and his timing and his seasons. You know, every most bikes now, they have gears. Most cars, you know, have different gears. In other words, they have one gear, they've got multiple gears. Most Every mechanical thing has some type of a system with gears in it. High and low gears and forward and reverse and all sorts of different gears. And this morning, I want to I talk to you guys about what I just said about gears, but I want to read quickly, and for the sake of time, I'm going to, I'm going to not read all of this uh, scripture, but I'm going to try to explain it to you to the best of my knowledge and, and the little wisdom that I have uh, at my age. I have a long way to go, and I sincerely mean that. I have a long way to go, and uh, I want to start here in 2 Kings chapter 9. Starting in verse 1, just to give you a bit of a history uh, before we move on to a little bit later in this chapter. Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready and take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilad. Now, when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat. And the, and the son of Nimshi, 
and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him into an inner room. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the doors and flee and do not delay. And the young man in verse 4 said to the servant prophet who went to Ramoth, and when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting, and he said to them, I have a message for you, commander. And Jehu said, for which one of us? And he said, for you, commander. Then he rose and went into the house, and he poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord and over Israel, and you shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males of Israel, both bond and free, so I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Bashah, the son of Ajah. And the dog shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground in Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and he fled. Let me just go ahead and read it all. Then Jehu came out to the servants of his master, and one said to him, Is all well? Why did this madman come to you? And he said to them, You know the man and his babble. And they said, A lie, tell us now. And he said, Thus and thus he spoke to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. In verse 13 it says, that Then each man hastened to take this garment and put it under him on the top of the steps, and they blew trumpets, saying, Jehu is king. Now let's skip down to verse 16. So Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel for Joram, and was laid up there. In verse 17, And now a watchman stood on the tower of Jezreel, and he saw the company of Jehu, and he came out, and he said, I see a company of men, and Jerom said, Get a horseman and send him to meet him, and let him say, Is it peace? So the horseman went to meet him and said, Thus says the king, Is it peace? And Jehu said, What have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. So the watchman reported, saying the messenger went to them, but he is not coming back. He essentially joined with Jehu. Then in verse 19, that he sent a second horseman who came to them and said, Thus says the king, is a peace. And Jehu answered, What have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. And the same thing happened. Then Jerome said in verse 21, Make ready his chariot. And it was made ready, and the king of Israel and um, the king of Judah went out, each into his chariot, and they, and they went out to see Jehu. They wanted all these men are not returning, and they say, hey, let's just go see him face to face. Now it happened when Jerome saw Jehu that he said, is it peace, Jehu? So he answered, what peace is long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many? Then in verse 23, then the king turned around and fled and said to Isaiah, treachery Isaiah, 
Now Jehu drew his bow with full strength and shot Joram between his arms, and the arrow came out of his heart, and it sank down, and he sank down in his chariot. First thing I want to tell you this morning, this story of Jehu represents the righteousness and the judgment seat of God. It represents that because Jehu represents a, a man that has got himself to a place of being a true believer in Jehovah God. He has gotten himself to a place where he is not concerned with anything other than what the Lord has told him to do. I would ask you today, as we briefly have this time together, if, if you can actually recount, even in this very week, if you are a person that is truly sold out to the voice of the righteous king. Are you a person that truly, truly can sit here in this church, call yourself a Christian, call yourself a follower of Christ, and say, I am following hard after God today, and nothing else matters? Crickets. Crickets. Crickets all through the American church in America this morning. Crickets. Because people have gotten to a place of such complacency, thinking that it's going to be more years before the Lord returns, thinking that they still have time. All of you have very little time. All of you. Notice that his opposition comes to him in behalf of the wicked king, and they face off with him, asking about peace, and Jehu says, what peace? There's no peace in your life until the sin and the decay and the demoralization and of sin in your life stops bearing fruit. And these men, these leaders, these officials, and, and if you can get a picture of it, you've got large armies on both sides. And you probably have one inroad where they are meeting, like you've probably seen in, very, in many movies. But what's happening is when they come and confront Jehu, his opposition, his enemy, spokespeople of his true enemy, the wicked kings, these people see that they need to be serving on this side of this culture. And what do they do? They don't walk up to Jehu. He says, turn yourself around. So what they do is they go all the way around this main road and they come back and they line up at the back of his army that's already there behind him. Your, because, let me say it this way. With the anointing that you have in your life, it's so powerful that even your enemies, if you tap in, that even your enemies who are in opposition to you will come back, stop being your enemy, and they will come behind you, fall in line to the Holy Spirit's will, and they will begin to fight the good fight of faith with you. Yeah. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Because of the anointing, the anointing, you guys need the anointing of the Holy Ghost every second of 
Not only did they change their culture, but they changed their posture. They left a culture and they came into a new place at a new time in their life. This was one of the most aggravating things for me when, when I pastored in drug rehab is I, I would get these, these crack addicts and alcoholics and, you know, all sorts of different types of addicts. And they would come in and they would just do amazing for nine months. We would teach them, and we would disciple them, we would love on them, we would encourage them. And then they, their families would show up for graduation and they'd get their certificates and they would shake people's hands and they, we would worship and we would sing and we would give them a meal, we would break bread together. We just had a good old time at all these graduations and the, many of them, many, 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 it was so aggravating and frustrating. And I'm seeing the same thing now in this area. People claim to know Christ. And they do all these steps. But there's no reverential fear of God. And so these guys would go back to their old culture. They'd go back right back into the hood because they knew nothing else. We would even try to get them apartments on another part of, of Houston. But no, they went back to their culture. And I want to tell you guys today, if you proclaim to be a Christian, you cannot return to your old ways. They will kill you. Each of us on the inside of us, we have a turnaround anointing that God wants to come out. If you have not gotten to the place where you're just, I mean, I just want to ask people, and I have, I do. Aren't you tired? Aren't you worn out trying to control, trying to critique, trying to criticize, trying to be bigger and better than everybody else? Aren't you tired of your pride? Aren't you tired of your ego? Aren't you tired of living a life and being sapped at the end of the day because you have no joy? Aren't you exhausted? Their thinking changed when they came face to face with God's favor. When you get close to God, Great things begin to happen, not necessarily external, but internally. I had this horse once when I was 16, and he was a, a, a black Tennessee Walker gilding, and he was, he was gorgeous. But this horse had some fatal flaws. I'm going to tell you about one of them. By the way, this horse's name was, was Preacher. This is, this is right about the time I got saved. I didn't name him. He was already Preacher and hadn't really received the call of God on my life at that point. But now that I look back, that's kind of funny. And so I would go on these long, you know, trail rides with Preacher. And, man, he did good. You could brush him. You could, you could uh, 
You could cut his hooves, you could put shoes on him, he wouldn't bite, he wouldn't kick, he wouldn't chase other horses down during feeding time, and he, he was just so sweet. He was just big and black and gorgeous, and everybody was like, wow, that horse is awesome. But he had one major issue that his previous owner didn't deal with. We would have these big trail rides, and we come back, the, all the horses are just, they got foam on them, and so I'm talking South Texas here, so it's... It's hot there. Y'all don't know hot. I'm just telling you, all right? And, uh, yeah, some Texas people testify. And, and so we would get back. We would start heading back. But so within probably three miles, he starts getting pretty frisky. He is ready to get back to the barn because what? He knows there is 12% sweet feed waiting for him. Right? And me being 140 pounds, I know y'all thought I was 140 pounds now, but I'm not. I weigh more than that. And I would be on him, and he would start bucking. He would start, I'm talking about on concrete, bucking and rearing. He would slip. I mean, plenty of times I almost fell off to where he would have fallen on me. All sorts of crazy stuff. I got a lot of crazy horse stories. And so... He would just start, I don't care how hard I pulled back or, or how much I lit him up or tried to calm him down. Whatever direction would work, right? He would start sprinting back to the barn. This horse was demon-possessed. <laughs> you know, maybe like some other preachers in America. Anyways, so... So, so he would, so he would, he, some of you caught that really slowly, but that's fine, that's, you can work on that. Um, but, but I, I was like, I, I was fed up, it happened two times, and I was like, man, this is, this is not good, either he's going to kill me or I'm going to kill him out of just hostility, alright? And so, finally what I did is I, the, 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 the rides got longer because every time he did that, I went back about a hundred yards, and I took him back in reverse, and I wore him out, or I took him in a big circle, and, and, and it, he got so tired and so fed up of having to go the wrong direction against, against the, the feed barn that he began to slow down. How many of you know that sometimes you have to go in reverse in order to go forward? Sometimes you have to circle back around to events in your life and deal with those issues and consequences in order to move forward in God. How many of you know, that understand that if you're guilty, you need to admit that you're guilty? You cannot move forward by telling God that you're guilty and telling everybody else that you're innocent. That's a lie. That's not what the truth is. The truth says, no matter what the consequences are, you put it out there. Do you guys agree that that's really something hard? Yes. Something that we really struggle with? Yes. I want to tell you this very quickly that there's some, one of the biggest areas, and even when I was dealing with preacher and, and other horses and other people, is we've got to change the way we think. Are you spending your time 
thinking about negative circumstances, negative outcomes, negative responses, negative events? Or are you thinking about what God has blessed you with? Are you consuming yourself with, man, God, you are. I was standing over here earlier. I was like, man, God, listen to this church. Listen to your church, God. Listen to my church. Y'all should be able to say, this is my church in Christ Jesus. And I was listening to you guys, and I was so grateful that people are singing and worshiping and doing what God wants us to do because we all need to get there. And I think sometimes it's easier for us to get there on an occasion than it is for us to stay there. How many of you understand that God is not interested in visitation, that he longs for habitation? He inhabits the praises of, he doesn't visit, he inhabits the praises of his people. Come on, stand up right now. Let's take a praise break. Reach your hands up and just praise him right now. Praise him. Lord, we praise you. We praise you, God. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you for your mercy, God. It's new and it's fresh every day. We praise you, God. Amen. I'll be seated. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, things that are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What are you thinking about? What is your mind going to? Is it Fox News? Is it... This channel or that channel? Is it what a teacher tried to label your kid as? Where are your thoughts? If you want to get yourself out of the place, the place and the season of, of having complacent and negative thinking, you gotta get the word in you. You gotta just this verse I just read. God is telling us here what to think about. I mean, isn't that just a big, duh, moment for some of you? I don't mean that disrespectfully because it is for me. It's like, well, duh, it's right there what I need to be doing. I don't even need to ask God what I'm supposed to be thinking about. I don't need to, no, let me, let me ruffle your spiritual feathers this morning. I don't need to pray to God of what I need to think about. He's already told me. Y'all understand that, right? God, I just wonder if I should do crap today or not. Lord, give me a sign. Lord, I wonder if I'm supposed to go to church today. Give me a sign. I'm praying. Lord, I wonder if I'm supposed to tithe today. Lord, speak to me. I need to know what I... What? You already know what to do. Well, pastor, we're supposed to to pray about everything. That's true. Except stupid stuff. <laughs> Find that in the word. I can't prove it, but I, you know. 
God says walk with the wise or girl. Why the opposite is true. If you walk with the stupid, you get stupider. Okay? Can't even say it right. God just got stupid all of a sudden. Okay. There's some more stuff I want to preach, so give me a few minutes. We need a gear change sometimes. You know, my truck does this funniest thing. There's a ton of articles on Toyota Tacomas, and so many Tacoma owners send their trucks in to get them tuned, to get their transmission, their engine tuned. And I love my truck, but it's just, it's so weird because it will, it will avoid fifth and sixth gear completely. And it will just stay in fourth gear. And you can just hear when it goes uphill, it's just struggling. And I know some of you have some jokes right now about, you know, Japanese truck, but that's fine. You can keep that between you and, you know, devil. Um, uh, <laughs> And, and so it'll just go, so I got to put it in manual shift and or like when, I, when I'm on the highway for a long time, I'll, I'll put it all the way in sixth gear and then put cruise control on. And I thought about this the other day when I was, when I was going to Pittsburgh and I went the back way and just kind of up and down, winding roads. I love that route. And the truck was just really just, it wasn't struggling. It had plenty of power, but it just, it was just too loud. And so I, I went in manual and switched the gear on it. And I just, I just feel like some of you guys don't know where fifth and sixth gear is. I think that some of us, including me, we, we want to struggle in first and second gear when God says, Court, you know I've got a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth gear set aside for you. Amen? And, and, and for us, and you know what gear we really hate the most? Reverse. I was watching, we were going to do a clip on it, and then I thought, man, Candace, if I put something up from a TV show, a secular TV show, you know, people are going to complain and, and you know, you know, go to, you know, local, you know, Baptist church instead. Anyways, and, and it's just, sorry, I just came out. And, and so nothing against the Baptists that are winning souls better than most, that's for sure. And, and so I, I was looking at this clip of the, the show The Office many years ago. And so Steve Carell is in his car. I know y'all want to hear spiritual stuff. I'll get back to the spiritual stuff in a minute. So Steve Carell is driving and there's this other actor in the seat. And they're, they're dead set on following their GPS in that car. And so the GPS, the, oh, they're fighting. They're, no, the, no, this is not the right way. We're on a dirt road. We're in the middle of nowhere. This is not right. And they're going back and forth. And Steve Carell's like, no, where the GPS is correct. We're going to follow this GPS no matter what. How many of you actually believed? Okay, anyways. So, so, so he, he's driving, and they drive right into a lake. They see the lake. way funnier seeing it. So they see the lake, and they're arguing, but they keep the pedal down, and they drive into the lake, and the car goes underwater, and they've got to escape from the car. Raise your hand if that sounds like you. No hands. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is what we do. 
this is the route I'm taking, God. And if you don't like it, it don't matter. We may not say that, but internally, that's what we're doing in our life with God. Sometimes He wants us to circle back around and correct that issue before He introduces a new and fresh anointing in your life. Now listen to this. God will give you, and in this scripture, you guys, you guys know it well. Let me read it to you. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord. And he delights in his way and blesses his path. God directs your steps, but he doesn't always change your circumstances. You understand that? If he can order your steps through his divine anointing on your life, why would he always need to change your circumstances? Maybe the circumstance that you're battling in that you want out of so bad, God is saying for you to get out of this situation, you can't keep going forward into a lake that's going to consume you. You've got to go backwards, get off the dirt road, get back on the highway, and head towards population. <laughs> You know, it's amazing to me how badly people park. <laughs> no, I, Houston is worse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Houston, Texas are the worst parkers and drivers in the entire continent. Amen. I'm just telling you that now. You want to go visit there? Prove me right. Go ahead. But I was at Lowe's the other day. And I could not see or understand how a Honda Civic can take up four spots. <laughs> That's not part of the sermon. I just felt like venting this morning. <laughs> One thing I learned, too, in, in closing, praise team, you guys can come up. I learned a lot, uh, you know, as a, as a teenager... I, I didn't. I didn't have really friends. I mean, maybe had one one good friend my high school years, and uh, and most of the time I was I was on horseback. I was in the woods somewhere. I was I was gone. I was by myself. And one thing I learned with being alone like that, and, and you know, of course, and that was very early on in my Christian life is and God really speaks to you when you take time away from this world. When you take time away from the strange things that are going on in this world. I would tell all you guys, you need to make time weekly, even if it's 20 or 30 minutes, to decompress and remove yourself from issues and things in your life that are are causing you a lot of stress. But one thing I learned, just, just riding bareback everywhere, um, at one point I ran over my saddle and broke it and destroyed it and didn't have the money to get another saddle, and so I, I ended up not getting one again. 
not only because I didn't afford it, but but I just liked the simplicity of being to being able to just just get on the horse and go. And and so I did that a lot. And one thing I learned a lot was you know I stopped wearing I stopped wearing spurs. I, I stopped all of that um, pain that I was inflicting on these animals. I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to listen. And I began to understand how sensitive their skin is, how sensitive their, their, just their body is in general, the way that they don't do well with somebody that is scared to be on them, that they will react to that. The way that they react if you're a confident rider. And also the way that they react to how you treat them. Did you know that, that you, can, you can turn a horse, you can make a horse go in reverse, you can get a horse to lay down with very little pressure. And I just began to think this week. How much pressure God has put on me to do the right thing? And how many times has he not applied pressure at all because he knew I was not going to listen? And the other times where he just applied a little bit of resistance just to get me going in the right direction. I want you guys to know today that if you can learn to listen to the still, small voice of God, your life will begin to turn in different directions and be in the right gear at all times. That when you go uphill, God will take care of that. And when you go downhill, God will take care of that. I learned, and I've told you all this before, um, when I was in Wyoming, I learned to come down from 8,000 feet to where we lived at about 3,000 feet in Buffalo, Wyoming, and I learned even through all of these twists and turns, very rarely did I have to use my brakes at all because I learned to downshift. I learned to, to read the road. I learned to be proactive and not destroy my brakes. People coming down with RVs, coming down from the mountain, we saw from our window many RVs catching on fire by the time, because the brake, there was just too much pressure and weight for those brakes to try to stop all of that weight, stop that truck and stop that, and, and the brakes would catch fire and then the RV would basically incinerate. Why am I telling you that? I don't want you guys to continue going down a road where you forget that God has the best gears to shift it. Stop staying the way you think is the right way. Is that working for you at all? Your way does not work. My way does not work, but God's way always, always works. One more scripture I want to give to you if you guys would stand this morning. I'm convinced for us to burn bright for God. We've got to switch gears. We've got to sometimes go and reverse. I want to leave you with this scripture that hit me very strong this morning and just dealing and seeing different situations in our church and in our community and even in my family. 
um, Hebrews 10.26. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Now, this is a very difficult verse for most people on the planet. You guys, me, everybody, we need to start taking our sin more serious. We need to take the mistakes that we make more serious, and we need to immediately repent and, and, and be with the Lord where He wants us to be. Has He given up on us? Has He forsaken us? Absolutely not. The grace and the mercy of God is so much more profound than we even realize. I just read here, deliberate, habitual sin that keeps going. This is serious, guys. This is serious. This is not, this is not playtime. This is a time in history where we have got to self-examine and we have got to allow the Holy Spirit to correct us. My behaviors, your behaviors, my mouth, your mouth. God can and will do it. Before we sing this final song this morning, will you just close your eyes briefly for me? I want to make a petition before you. I want to pray for you. I want to just leave here on the note. You know, we are, we are not a church that is about shame. We are a church that is about listening to conviction. We are not a church of, of degenerating people. We are a church of bringing people up. When you are sitting there, when you are standing there, and you hear the word of God come forth, and it pierces you to the heart, and you are convicted for your sin, convicted for the life that you're living, don't be mad at people. Don't even be mad at yourself. That is an indicator that God is speaking to you and unctioning you to change. He's not here to make us feel bad today. He's not here to make us get all emotional. But he is here today to bring us into the right gear for our life. To bring us into a place of that turnaround anointing. Where we not only talk about it. We not only preach about it. But we actually show in our actions, our deeds, that we are making a turnaround and we are joining the powerful army of God. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I, I, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. You would say, I don't have a relationship. I'm struggling. I am, I am in it. I, I am sitting every day and I can't stop. Or I'm going back to sin over and over again. I have no discipline. I can't stop. I want you to hear the voice of the Lord right now that says, you absolutely can see these things broken in your life. You absolutely can walk into a new season this very moment before you leave today, refreshed and new, and God can say to you, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The 
And so the only petition I make to you today, for the rest of you, everything that I preached on, everything the Holy Spirit gave us today, take that and use it for this original and, and only petition today. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, Court, I, I'm not living for God. I don't know where I would die. I don't know where I would be if I died today. I don't know where, what would happen to me. I don't know what a, a minister would even say about me at the funeral. I don't know what my spouse would write on a headstone. Was I, was I a man of God or did I squander my life? What would be written there? Would it just be nice, fake words? I want you to look at me for a second. I want to end this prayer just a second. I want to say this. Sounds a bit weird. But I've always loved cemeteries. I don't know what it is. I know people hate cemeteries. But I've always loved them. And probably because I've done so many graveside funerals and the days that I worked in the life care. But I love cemeteries. I love the graveside. I love walking and, and reading and seeing this person, where they lived in, you know, Vietnam veteran or World War II or whatever life that they had, and 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 so I I I brought Cooper a couple times. I know you're gonna, wow, you brought your two-year-old to cemetery. That you are a great father, right? <laughs> and so I, I I drive him over there on our, our little golf cart, and I in Columbia, and I will drive through the neighborhood and past the the park and across the street real quick and we'll go into that big Firestone Cemetery and, and look dad I know he doesn't understand it he's not even three yet but look dad look dad I said oh man look look at that person that person lived from this time that they lived and the, from the late 1700s to the mid 1800s you know of course I'm just talking and he's like oh yeah dad okay that's great can we go back on the golf cart you know that kind of thing but I want you guys to think about it, and this, I, this is not a morbid thought. Maybe for some of you, you take it that way. But when you go and you have gone to funerals, you've gone to graveside, the people, maybe months later you went back and you saw what was written on their headstone. For the person that you knew in that person, is the information accurate on that headstone? Are the things that preachers say at funerals, are they an honest pastor and use it as a springboard even if somebody dies in sin and was not a Christian? Does the pastor stand up there and say that they're at peace with the Lord? I've seen it so many times. And I, let me just close with this. You want your life to be real. With all the, the dips and all the roller coaster and all the hurts and all the hang-ups and all of the struggles that you've had, wouldn't you that rather be real, transparent, and open and go to heaven than to conceal and conceal and conceal from your family and your friends to where they only see you as, oh, they're so great. That's what people thought about my dad. 
My dad was such a gentleman. My dad was such an amazing man. But, and, and that's true. But he didn't know Jesus until a few years before he died. He did all those years of being visually a good man. God said, that's not going to get it done. You've got to live in a relationship with my son. You've got to live in the blood. Father, I ask right now for anyone in here today that would say, I don't have a relationship with you. Will you speak to their heart right now? Speak to them right now that they would ask you in this very moment as we pray to be the Lord and the Savior of their life. To switch gears and start going forward in Christ Jesus. If you need that, if you need him today, and all others that want to pray this prayer with me, let us do so together as a family. Lord Jesus, I accept you right now as my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins and set me free. I give you my life and I give you my eternity. Thank you for freeing me in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand this morning.